It's time to hold it on, hold it on, hold it on to you It's time to hold it on, hold it on, hold it on to you You're listening to The Noise Cancelling Pod, the podcast about streamlining life, encouraging discourse, and maximizing your mind. Hosted by Frank Boyce and Axel Clark. Well, welcome back, everybody, to The Noise Cancelling Pod. This is episode 30. I'm Frank Boyce. And this is Axel Clark. We are very glad to have you. We were just talking about before we we hit record, we have reached over one day of content for Noise Cancelling Pods. So if you get bored in the doldrums of winter, just carve out a whole day and get real excited about Noise Cancelling Pod. The Noise Cancel Pod Marathon. I like it. I like it. You probably won't stay awake for the whole thing, but it'll be a very restful, thoughtful day. (laughs) So we thought just... uh, Getting into the new year, we wanted to talk about something fun and a little bit lighter. And so the the episode today is uh, is about curiosity. And you know we we've talked about this a lot, and I I feel like it's been touched on a lot more lately. And it's kind of invoked to talk about how curiosity is part of your mental practice. But I, I couldn't find a definitive discussion on this, so I thought what what two better guys that are more curious that could sit down and actually carve this out so are, are you ready to go axel yeah i'm ready and i'm excited so the thesis that my wife and i were actually talk about talking about about curiosity is the more things you know about the more curious you'll be uh, and then kind of an extension of that the easier it is to um, build schemas and learn things more quickly so i, I want to go to one question first kick it off to you Axel what's the first topic that you can remember being really curious about so I think the first topic I had this book growing up as a kid and I don't remember what it, maybe it's it pays to have no power I've looked for it again I think I'm sure it's out of print but it was either it was a really thick like two inches thick humongous book that had either one or two page little short stories on j- different historical events or different inventions. And I used to just read through that book. I probably read through that book like three or four times. And so that kind of was like the first thing that built curiosity and and I wanted to learn about the different inventions and different people uh, throughout history. So I think that was the first thing. And what, what grade or what age was that? I think it was probably like third or fourth grade if i remember right and you said it was called a pace to have no power yeah but it's it's k-n-o-w oh it pays to have no power i think that's <laughs> I, I looked for it, i couldn't find it that's awesome do you think that did that shape you in any way after after that grade well it i think it was one of the things that started to get me to love reading and then the next thing, the next set of books or books that I remember being very curious about, we had this whole bookshelf of biographies of famous people when they're in their uh, teen, like growing up, mm-hmm. and the biography had nothing to do with what they actually did 
when they're older, but it was just stories of their life as a child. And there was probably a hundred of these books. And I used to check out, I had to get an exception to check out extra books from the library because I'd read like four books a week. That's awesome. Just reading about the childhoods of these famous people. That's really cool. I mean, I'm sure that did build a ton of curiosity. Yeah. The one. How about uh, you? The one I remember, it was actually in third grade. I had an amazing teacher. And one of the things that she got me into was um, painters. And I, I remember like really getting into Claude Monet and Van Gogh and really? thinking, that, thinking that I was like super high class and, and into fine art when I was in third grade. That's amazing. How long did that last? I mean, to be completely honest, it, like in terms of really learning, probably just third grade. But I, I still, you know, as I've gotten to travel and, and see, you know, some of the, the great art of, of the world, it, it still has stuck with me and, and has helped me That's amazing. to like, like know the significance of the different movements and time periods and that, that is amazing. I think I still probably am very weak in that area. Yeah. But I mean, I, I just remember it so clearly, like this light bulb kind of went off that like, oh, like art, <laughs> art is more than me, like coloring on a piece of paper. It was, yeah. really, it was really like that level of discovery. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. I think the other thing that I was that I was very curious about growing up was, I think my parents got me this pack of NFL football cards. Mm-hmm. And I studied like the backs of the cards and all the information on the cards. And then I kept collecting these football cards, but I knew every single player. Like I think I, I knew by far more players in the NFL then than I do now. And that was when I was in probably second or third grade. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I had the whole top set uh, from 1992. And then I remember I got the sports almanac from 1993 and had like pretty much every sport record memorized within a couple of years. Yeah. But I, I couldn't rec- I can't like pull most of that stuff back now. And yeah. I, agree, I agree. There's no way that I could, I couldn't even name like one tenth of NFL players right now probably. Yeah, I could name them all. I could name absolutely all of them back in then. And also probably Tecmo Super Bowl. Although I don't know that, yeah, the, I think the linemen were in there too, but. Yeah, for sure. So kind of the the an, antithetical version of that question is, do you remember a time when you became less curious or more apathetic towards learning? I, It's possible that this was true during college. Really? Be, yeah, because you're being forced to learn in this very structured environment. I don't think... Like some of the stuff was interesting, but I, I don't think I was uh, as excited about reading about it mm-hmm. and learning about it. And so, since I was spending most of my time doing that, like after after class or whatever, then I wasn't spending any of my own personal time uh, learning new things. Really, I was basically looking for music on, <laughs> looking for music and playing video games. Interesting. So in high school, were you were you still pretty curious at that stage too? I think I was still fairly curious in high school. That's interesting. I was really into into sports. Yeah. No, I agree. I feel like I lost I lost a lot of curiosity in high school and just watched 
a ton of TV and I mean I would still get into things like getting into music and getting into like producing music but I wouldn't say that I had any level of curiosity outside of just my small little sphere of friendships yeah but yeah I would say I, I definitely lost a lot of curiosity probably I think it was like my sophomore year when I started feeling like way too cool to be like into really nerdy stuff yeah and i wonder it's probably pretty common for that to happen i think i mean it just comes from insecurity you know like when you're in junior high and elementary school like you're so unaware of (laughs) your insecurities and you you don't really care about them but as as you kind of fold into culture like at some point you kind of be become aware of what people think around you and really start to worry about that i know for from my sophomore year to my senior year of high school i was super concerned about that Mm, got you so kind of back to the overall topic you know how do you take where you are now you know we kind of trace back where where we were how do you take from where you are now and and cultivate that curiosity into something that that pays dividends or or results in something or or do you even think that's the point of curiosity i don't know so i i actually have thought about this when you're talking about kids and if a kid is into like sports or something like that most likely that has doesn't have a lot of long-term benefit for most Mm -hmm. people but if you can get that curiosity and like they're they're reading about sports instead of maybe playing video games about sports. I think it's beneficial just to get the experience of reading and learn to, to like to read. So I think at first it's not that important what you're curious about, just that you're trying to learn and figure, figure out about different things. And then maybe as you mature, it's more important for you to kind of make decisions about, oh, I'm interested in this thing. I'm going to kind of pursue it a little more based on like that thing, maybe having some uh, like benefit for you in the future in terms of like your job or some other thing. Yeah. The, the one thing I was thinking about today was just like curiosity about our own beliefs and values. Um, Cause I think that's one thing that, that gets pretty apathetic for, I mean, I, I know me for a really long time is you just kind of you develop your core beliefs and, and your core kind of stance across the board. And you don't necessarily reinvestigate that or go out of your way to to be curious about other people's beliefs very often. Yeah. So what when we were talking beforehand, we mentioned like coming up with questions. One question that I was thinking about is what's something and I guess you could refer to it as like a core belief, but what's a core belief that you held 10 years ago that that is different or significantly different now? 10 years ago. Or four, five years ago, or just what's what's a core belief that you held that you've changed since then? Hmm, that's a, that's I don't a think, really good question. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I even came up with one on my own, but I think it's probably something to think about. Yeah. If you... I mean, the only thing I can think of in probably the last seven years was when I actually sat down and read the entire Quran cover to cover. And just because, I mean, really, I did, I did, I did. Um, How long did it take you? It's not that long, actually. Okay. 
depending on the interpretation that yeah <laughs> i don't want to get into a, a dissertation on the Quran, but just the, well, what the, did you take away from it you know i i think growing up in um growing up being a christian and still being a christian i, I saw a lot of similarities between the two um you know, if you look at the Old Testament of the Bible, there's a lot of things that you can take and are kind of like, oh, that's a that right. sounds that sounds a little scary, and and I mean the same is true with with portions of the Quran is just that, you know, when you're talking about a thousand fifteen hundred years ago, you know, culture is just differently, and and some of the things are just going to seem very stark and and dramatic compared to how our lives are are today, so it's just yeah. You know, I, I found it to be somewhat enlightening just in terms of those similarities and and also just that, you know, the truth of the matter is that it, it is very peaceful and it is about, you know, following the pillars and, and being devoted to God. And, you know, that that's a commonality I think that you can that I can really relate to. So it was it was very eye opening and, you know, especially when I have conversations with people who may not understand that or may have a completely different opinion of that religion it's really yeah. easy to say you know like well have you actually sat down and read the text you know like I, I know you're quoting this one little part but but have you read the whole thing yeah interesting and i think huh. to the to the greater extent not just getting on my high horse about reading every yeah. every text in the world but i i think to reinvigorate your own curiosity and to explore you know, whether it's other religions or, or other politics or, you know, politics across the world to really understand something outside of what you currently believe or understand. Like, like that's the basis for curiosity. Like, if you're not curious, you're not going to spend 10 hours reading that or you're not going to look up like, <laughs> right. Like, how are, how good is Finland? Like, what do, what do people in Finland say about their schools or their healthcare? Like, you really have to be, be into it and you have to want to learn. Yeah. Well, so I I put this link to this art this blog post in the show notes. It's on this blog called Farnham Street Blog and we'll put this we'll put it in the show notes. It talks about mental models and it's saying that like it's good to have one mental model like a, a way of making decisions, but really you want to have a number of mental models and they list I think maybe like 70 on the site. And you'd know when it's when it's really working, when two mental models are like at complete odds with each other. And that's when you have to think. And that's when, like, that's when you actually can learn. That's when you actually are using the mental models as they're supposed to be used. So if you, if you just have one mental model and it just points you to a certain way and that's the way that you always go, then that's like almost even more dangerous than having none because it's like you're going to use that mental model every single time but when you can use two different mental models and they are like they're in disagreement and then you can figure out okay well which one is more applicable then that's the best way to to make decisions that's a great that's a great way to put it i'm excited you just put that in the notes a couple minutes ago but i'm I'm excited to check that out it's yeah it's i haven't they list they're seriously about 40 different things in here and it it talks through like all the different biases like uh all the different biases that you get to look out for but uh yeah it's it's really interesting 
but it's cool. I never thought about the fact that that to use mental models, like if you are always use a single one, then that's not the best way to do it because like there's a chance that that's not the right one to use in the situation. Like, you know, if all you have is a hammer, like everything looks like a nail or whatever. Yeah. And like they only become very useful when you can apply two mental models and figure out which one is is more applicable. That's really interesting. I'm trying to th- I'm trying to think of a good example to give on. Were they? Uh, there's one in the. Hold on. Yeah, I don't know. I have to. Because I think that's that seems very. Um. Kind of. Uh, not not nuanced, but that it doesn't seem like something to really grasp onto. Like what what exactly is a mental model? But I think it's more like your your framework of a certain topic, right, or a certain concept. Mm-hmm. The example he they talk about is uh, this guy who wrote about the long tail. So the you know what that is? Yeah, but you can. So explain. it's like, well, basically that. It, at scale, there's like this t- little tiny. When you look at a, is it a, a bell curve? Like mm-hmm. at the very edges, like that. The, there's a long tail of people that are like unique that you can target. And so he, they're saying like, yeah, that works in that specific situations. But he set, started saying like the long tail theory of everything, and there are, like, it's not a great theory. He says. Uh, it's a great theory about inventory economics, but it's a bad theory about life in the universe. Oh, so I mean, you you can extend that that basic concept out to like everything gate, right? Right. Like, like exactly. e- everything is gate. Like to to take one thing and apply it to something that's that's not necessarily equivalent or analogous. You know, mm-hmm. it doesn't doesn't make it a very good comparison, or doesn't make it very useful. Yeah. That's a good one. So how do you think your your curiosity, like how does that actually impact you? Like like how in the last two years do you feel like your curiosity has has built something? And I know, you know, just off the top of my head, if I was answering for you, it seems like like programming has really jumped into your curiosity. Yeah, so I was curious about that and then that programming is a deep uh like a deep hole to jump into it just keeps going and going the the latest thing i was looking at are these have you seen the google cardboard um i don't think so so you've seen like the plastic vr goggles that you put yourself oh yeah yeah, 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 yeah. so google makes these cardboard ones that are like 15 dollars and so i i think i'm going to get a set of these cardboard virtual reality goggles just because i'm interested to see like i don't even i don't think i've ever even worn vr goggles but i'm interested to see it and then i think i haven't pro like done any programming but i'm i'd be interested at least to just kind of play around with creating a three i guess you create a 3d model in like a design uh a design in design software Mm -hmm. and then you import it into a uh, like a graphics rendering, they have to do a bunch of computations so that when you move your head, it can c- compute how to r- render that 3D model to you. So I don't know how hard that is, but I think it's kind of interesting uh, 
I don't think it's as I think it's more easily accessible than you would think. Maybe that's what I'm hoping at least. Yeah, that'd be that'd be awesome. So you're building VR of yourself or your environment? Of your of your environment, I think. I don't know. I don't know. I haven't got. I have. <laughs> I, I'm I'm very surface level right now, but I'm interested to see. See, like the thing is, I now having learned like the basics of programming, I'm not scared to like at least dip my toe in to see mm-hmm. like how hard is it to actually do this virtual reality programming. Sure. I mean, I think that's a great point right there. It's just like how how curiosity builds on itself. Like if you can get started on something, you can keep going and going and going down the rabbit hole kind of as far as you want. Yeah, which is sometimes maybe you have to be careful about knowing when to stop or maybe when your curiosity is like taken over and you are too focused on a single thing. That's probably can happen. And maybe you need... Like it's good to be focused on something very intensely for a while, but then if you if it goes too long, you don't have enough balance. Yeah. No, that's definitely true. And I think, you know, one of my questions was, is curiosity kind of an, a form of escape from normal life or, or is it something that we can focus on for growth? What do you think about that one? Let me think about it. Because I know for, I ser- me, for me, a lot of times it's, a, it's an escape. Well, sir, so I was like, what is, okay, so let's say you're curious about the news on Twitter. Like, is that, I don't know if that's helpful. I think that probably uh, social media and some of the, like, advertising and television shows probably play on our natural curiosity. Oh, and, yeah. like, like they're, they're basically targeting our, your curiosity to the point... Yeah, they're targeting curiosity and maybe not to your benefit. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I don't know how much of that is curiosity as much as the fear of being being left out or having missed out on something. Uh, I'm putting air quotes important. Yeah, well, I mean, so like every time you see a new tweet, it gives you a little hit of dopamine or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure there's some level of like when you're curious and you find out some new piece of information, like it probably gives you a similar, like a similar feeling. So I'm going to call myself out here. Before we started recording, I told Axel I was, I was dominating all my 2017 goals. <laughs> and I just realized that was, that was flatly false on, on the checking my phone goal. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the break free app, I don't know if any of you listeners have uh downloaded that but i highly recommend it um but yeah today uh 183 screen unlocks phone usage three hours and 51 minutes it's kind of amazing to think about 183 times i'm yeah. sure mine is at that level or higher yeah. do you have a goal well <laughs> my goal that i said was 10 don't <laughs> <laughs> so ten, 10 screen unlocks 10 screen unlocks in a day yeah i wonder if you'll it'll that that's amazing i wonder if you would get to the point where you'd have to like bundle all the things that you wanted to do and so you'd unlock it and and you'd be like okay i need to do these 10 things while it's unlocked this time well i need to streamline some things you know just like because there's there's stuff that I, like for morning story that i want to make sure i don't miss emails on 
So like I, I need to have some sort of like desktop reminder, but I don't know how much yeah. that that is actually just like shifting distraction to some other device. But anyway, <laughs> that is to say, I'm not doing well on the distraction, but the curiosity is at times an escape for me. Yeah, which I think I don't know. Sometimes that can be it can even be. Sometimes an escape is helpful. So the the one thing I will say, the one curious escape that that I do make is uh, geo geoguesser.com. Have you ever played that game? No, what's that? So I think I even mentioned this in like a really early episode, like two or three. Um, but it's it's this it's a game that you can pull up that it just shows you one picture anywhere in the world from Google Maps, and you mm-hmm. have to. And you have to pick out where it is on the the globe, and so you get five different chances. And you can move it around. You can you can kind of drive it as far as you want. Yeah, I'm checking. It but out you right just now. need to you just need to find that point of origin. But it, it's cool because I mean I really have learned like I can. This is amazing, actually. I can pick out pretty pretty well the the latitude, but. Oh, no kidding. But the longitude <laughs> is much harder. So like like Belarus looks a lot like southern Indiana or Ohio. Because yeah, so they fall along the ta- same line. So so you mainly use uh like the the plant life? Is that what you're saying? Or you're saying like the build because the weather is the same, the buildings are actually similar as well. You know, I would say I I look a lot at the plant life. Um like when you're in a city, it gets really easy because you can look at the signs and the language and, you know, what side the cars are driving on. You can narrow it down pretty easily. But when it's just like out in the country, you have to look at trees and soil type and, you know, what, what types of grasses are growing. We're doing, I would a, lo- we're doing a deep dive on GeoGuster. I like that. This is now this is interesting. Oh, wow. The car was they like block out the car. So you wait, can you how much can you move? You can move it as far as you want, yeah. But you just got to remember, it's you have to point back to the the first point of origin that, oh, that they showed there's a, you. There's a dude on a bike in this one. <laughs> so we'll we'll link this in the show notes. This uh, is this is what, pretty incredible. If if anybody plays it, why don't you post your high score um, in the comments on uh, on SoundCloud? Or you can email us and tell us your your thoughts on GeoGuessr. But See, yeah, I, I would say that's my one curiosity kind of escape that I do find some value in. Huh. So what I'm thinking of now, so I, I've been researching machine learning a little bit and artificial intelligence. And so there's like two, there's, I don't want to say there's two levels, but there's kind of two levels. So how the, like the underlying algorithms for how this machine learning works, that takes like a knowledge of math. Mm-hmm. but they're in in programming and all that but there's actually like some well, i don't think of how to explain it there's like pro not programs but there's ways that you can use the al- the algorithms mm-hmm. and not have to know how they work to, and you can actually like start using these uh like machine learning the it's the programs and the systems behind the, the uh, that have already been built. Okay. 
but you could probably I, i'd be interested to know how like a machine learning the, the example i was reading about was like they're trying to get this machine learning or that basically they're trying to give the computer these pictures of either a starfish or a whale mm-hmm. and have the computer be able to tell the difference so like how it works is you feed it like a hundred and you tell it the right answer a hundred times and then then you let it guess and then you uh and so it le- over the first hundred it learns it like what the differences are kind of mm-hmm. it's you'd have facebook actually has like a good blog series on the basics of, of machine learning but anyway so you feed it the hundred and it learns and then then it guesses and then you put you tell after it guesses the correct answer and then like it continues to learn but so like that's the basics and if you start from zero like it's not very good it gets it right like 60 percent of the time but there are certain things that it's keyed in on so it, like let's say facebook has run their this machine through like billions of pictures mm-hmm. well you can use like things that it's already learned to when you're trying to distinguish between the dolphin and the starfish you can get to like 99 percent accuracy interesting that was a deep, that was going off on a tangent. But. I liked it. I mean, I think that's uh, that's the big data machine, right? That's that's what the the future is going to hold. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. It's, well, the interesting thing they're talking about is how, like, how programmers can insert bias into the big data. Interesting. So kind of like the a statistic so, is only as good as the interpretation. Right, exactly right. Interesting. So yeah. that now there's like classes on how you can look for how you can look for and avoid inserting bias into the machine learning artificial intelligence. If there's any kids listening out there and if you're debating whether to be a a doctor or a lawyer or a contracting officer, I would highly recommend going into some sort of form of computer statistics because uh, you're going to be highly valuable in the future. That's true. If you can find and the what you have to be able to do is find something. Probably you're not going to be interested in computer statistics itself, itself mm-hmm. but if you can find some way to apply computer statistics to something you're interested in, that's probably where you can get enough momentum to to learn it and keep with it jumping off point building curiosity exactly that'd be awesome yeah if i was going to shift careers right now and if i was like oh i'll just have take four years off and and relearn everything and start over that would be the career field because they're they're in need everywhere they're in need in healthcare and they're you know from healthcare to the mba like those status not even statisticians you know people who can look at look at big data and pull out trends yeah well, see, that's what I was talking about, where if you got good at using the tools, you would be valuable and you don't have to know the underlying algorithms mm-hmm. behind the artificial intelligence. You just have to know the tools that are built on top of those that artificial intelligence. And then you don't need like a math back- background necessarily for that. I see. That makes sense. So you're... I don't know. That's awesome. So... What what closing thoughts can can you give everybody on on curiosity? Hmm. Uh, well, first of all, I like this quote, and it's pretty common, I think, in the in tech that uh, I guess, so 
who's this Bob Johansson of I think it's Institute of like Future or something like that. He said he recommends that to deal with an uncertain future and still move forward, they advise people to have strong opinions which are weakly held. Hmm. So I think that's a uh, and I think curiosity builds on that that you you have a, a strong opinion but you're, it's weakly held and you're always looking and testing it to see uh, if maybe there's another way to do it. Yeah, I or mean, if maybe it's not right. Yeah, no, the, I think that second part, at least for me, is really key: is to really seek like seek your truth to really find out what is most true to you, and to understand that until you've exhausted your resources or the resources of you know all the material in the world, that you'll never come to that absolute certainty. That you you just need to keep searching and and finding more bits of information to you know, solidify some views or, or challenge others along the way. Yeah, I think also it's the thing on that that's interesting is I think sometimes it's hard to have strong opinions because you don't want to like make someone mad or offend someone. But the truth of this thing is like if you don't have the strong opinions, then you're never going to be able like you're if you have no opinion, then you're never going to change it. Does that make sense? Like if yeah. you if you are, don't have a position, then you're never going to learn and gain a better insight and move to a new, better position. And you'll never really be motivated to, to challenge it if, it if you're just kind of apathetic or there's everything is just kind of relative, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so I think my... So the other thing that I would talk about is we, we mentioned briefly like whether you need to focus your curiosity in a certain area that's useful. And I would just say that I think that you you probably should have your eye on things that are useful, like we just talked about machine learning, AI, or something like that. But if you can find a way to tie them into something that you're already interested in, I think that is the key. So if you can relate it to something that you're just generally already interested in or already know a lot about, then that's a way to kind of get your toe in the door of learning something new while still being able to like fall back on something that you're familiar with. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that's, that's a hundred percent true in, in terms of building a knowledge base and, and understanding it based on kind of what you already know. I, I would say, I think, I think there is value in just, you know, seeking just the most oddball things because so this is, this is kind of a random example, but I was at the, the musical instruments museum in Scottsdale, Arizona. And mm -hmm. it, it's a really cool museum. It's, it's not that I, was, I wasn't trying to make fun of it. It's just such a random reference. But they have this really cool room where, and I, I, I can't remember the country, but they, they have they're called uh, water choirs and where people stand in the water and they, they play different notes on the surface of the water. And it's, it's so random and you, you know, you would never think of the water as just being an instrument, but it was, I mean, amazingly beautiful, you know, 60 people playing a different, different note in the water, almost like a bell choir. Hmm. Interesting. You know, it's, it's things that challenge your understanding and challenge your, your existing schemas that, you know, will make people dream or make people think about what else is possible. And I think, you know, not only just in terms of creativity, but I think there is something in your mind that just just likes that little that new ignition, that thing that 
that excites you just a little bit more than like just checking Twitter or, or checking yeah. Facebook where your mind is like, Oh, this is new. This is, this is different. And you know, it just gets you a little bit more excited than just normal information. Yeah. That's awesome. Hey, so I have one, I have one last thing that, uh, so you and Katie kind of came up with the original thesis for this mm-hmm. and, uh, Nana helped me out with the, uh, the final question. Cause she she's curious, and so she has a question for you as a father. Mm-hmm. She wants to know if you can tell what your child has been eating and if they're healthy by the smell and uh, how their poop looks. Interesting. Um, she's heard it's possible, but she's curious to know if it's it's if that is true. I mean, I, I think to a certain extent you can tell both. Um, but but also to you know it's not it's not science i wouldn't say that i wouldn't be like oh he had two cups of strawberries yesterday but but you can you can definitely tell if a kid has had a balanced diet or if he's had too much sugar or you know if they're not feeling very well pretty quickly <laughs> when, yeah. when you get in there <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> that's a good question yeah i thought it was, it was yeah it is a good question <laughs> So for new fathers to be get excited, there will be lots of poop, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> lots of things to laugh about as well. Well, cool. Well, we'll wrap this up. I, I thought that was that was really fun. Um, I think it made me more curious to uh, to search things out that might be beneficial to my life and uh, kind of get out of get out of my normal habit of checking my phone 183 times today. That's all. I, I love that you got the count. I need to get that. That's a great idea. <laughs> Break free app. So yeah. So and uh, go ahead. Oh, Sorry. No. Did you have something else? Oh, I was just gonna say the uh, the other thing I gotta recommend is Geo Geo Guesser. I'm excited to test this thing out. <laughs> you know, you can challenge me as well. You can challenge okay. your friends. So let's go. I better ch- get some practice in here. You need. It. You definitely are gonna need some practice, or you're gonna get you're gonna get owned. Um. But yeah, so you go out there, challenge your friends, enjoy some GeoGuessr, and learn about what Patagonia looks like from the from the road. Nice. <laughs> so with that, I'm Frank Boyce, and this is Axel Clark. Have a great week, everyone. You're listening to The Noise Cancelling Pod, the podcast about streamlining life, encouraging discourse, and maximizing your mind. Hosted by Frank Boyce and Axel Clark.